were happening. <laughs> okay, welcome back, Screamers, to the first in a series about the works of David Gordon Green. DGG. DGG. That's what I've been calling <laughs> calling him as well. I don't really have a fancy title for this, or or even a clever title. None of them are fancy. I own, I'm the only one who thinks they're clever <laughs> to begin with. Regardless, today we're going to look at his first two films, George Washington and All the Real Girls. We're also going to look at the Florence Pugh vehicle, <laughs> a Pugh. good person. It's New Pew, Pew Pew. We are the Pulitariat. Um, we were going to try and do a little bit more, but we realized that we're just not that good. Look, this podcast is a work in progress, and as are <laughs> as we, we right. as, as human beings. Um, anyway, look, happy Thursday, Jason. How how are you doing? I'm on doing. This, on this? Uh, yeah, look, I'm doing great. Um, I, I don't know. I qualified it with like that big sigh and exasperated um, <laughs> breath out. No, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I've seen some movies recently, so and not all of them have been good. So I'm just going to live with that. That thing it, that happens. This it's is okay. a, this is a thing that I I have I have a question for you. It's not really a serious question, but it's still a question. I'm not sure how it came up, but but I wanted to ask you: Do you see me more as a Troy from Reality Bites or <laughs> as a Paul from All the Real Girls? <laughs> um, look, I don't see Troy as being particularly poetic. I mean. And but I also see kind of Paul as being like a, well like a womanizing idiot savant kind of like but also man that's a that's that's a hard line to draw. Um, or am I a kind of confluence of both? Yeah, I think yes. You're like the perfect. <laughs> you're like the 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 chocolate vanilla swirl that is Troy and Paul. Um, yeah, no, I like it. I like okay. it a lot. Um, you may need to work on your rap skills a little bit, but outside of that, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like it. Okay. I, I, okay. It's it's I, of of actors that don't. And let me just say this: that, you know, from a real life perspective, not getting your due, I'm 100 percent on board with that as well. I mean, like, I think I think you should be celebrated, just like Elaine May. Not like Elaine May, but you know, in the same sense, <laughs> in, the, in the, same. the same tone, <laughs> you should be more celebrated than the way you are. So, was this a reference to Paul Schneider as well, not being? Oh yeah, celebrated. as 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 a as a weird like. Because Deschanel blows up after all the real girls. She goes right into—granted, that wasn't what blew her up, but she went right into Elf. She's a Nepo baby, too, so it's not like she's—I mean, she, like, she was probably on the cusp anyway or was going hit to that, hit that track. Um, did she do Almost Famous before all the real girls? She had to have, right? I mean, it, Almost Famous would have been 97, 96? Yeah, because all the real girls was two thousand three. Well, yeah, yeah. So um, because isn't that kind of where they? I mean, we'll get into this more. But, sure. Um, isn't that part of where they saw her and thought, okay, she might work? Where? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not sure. But Paul Schneider. Um, am I saying that's is, is his last name, right? Is it Schneider? I believe okay. so. Yeah. Um, that's what I've been calling him. So if it's <laughs> if it's not, if it's like Jones or it something, it sounds like a, like he's also supposed to be on Dukes of Hazard. What's that's why it's kind of throwing me off. Um, like he never kind of rose to that Ed Burns type indie darling kind of handsome but not handsome man kind of that we were that we were really championing that uh, in that time frame. I know he went on to do Parks and Rec and he's done other things, but it's one of those Jane things. Campion film, Bright Star. It, true, true, true. So I mean, like it's not like he hasn't had a career. Ed but Burns doesn't have that. <laughs> Good point. Touche. 
but I, I don't think he's neither one of them are a household name. You might recognize Ed Burns because he did uh, Saving Private Ryan and, and Will and Grace. Did he really? I was not a huge. <laughs> he was. He was on like he played Grace's boyfriend. Look, I mean, look, I like Deborah Messing. I'm not going to not going to lie. Right, right. And, but I mean, I you know I had girlfriends who who would watch that show. <laughs> Look at you, humble bragging about having girls. <laughs> notice, 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 plural. <laughs> we're learning a lot about Brian. This Maybe is, you were celebrated enough. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that, too, I think, <laughs> as we get in there. So, look, I, 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 I don't really have much more of, like, a segue. <laughs> so are we, are, we, about, are we flipping coins um, to go directly into DGG, or are we going to go no, to I, a I good think person? Let's, good let's, let's get a good person out of the way. And, yes, and I mean, well, right, because I don't want to spend a, a whole lot of time on this film because, frankly, I don't think it deserves a whole lot of our time. Definitely not my two fucking hours that I spent watching this Wake up with the sun in the morning, go to sleep with the moon at night. For the model train enthusiast, we lord over a world where the neighbors are always kind, the lovers always end up together. Allison, every memory I cherish has you in it. I love you. <laughs> and the trains always take you to the far-off places you always swore you'd go. In life, of course, nothing is nearly as neat and tidy. Aren't you engaged to Nathan Adams? I was, yeah. I heard what happened to you, the accident. The woman that died was about to be my sister-in-law. Hi, Dan. I'm worried about you. I want my life back. I want my child back. I need help. Allison, don't run away now because of me. There are thousands of meetings. I'll find another one. Well, somehow you found your way to this one. Come on. Staring space. Lately, so much of my life has been out of control. I just caught my granddaughter having sex with a boy who looked like a man. Hey, Belinda, I found this fool in bed with my Ryan. She said she was 18 online. You're a fuck boy. He's a fuck Boy, that's what the kids call them. Get out of our neighborhood, fuck boy. Uh, uh, okay, okay. What the hell did you do to your hair? It's makeover Monday. It's Friday. Oh. This is incredible. My wife used to hang out with me down here. She liked the whistle. This. Takes work. I got one of those audio books on how to talk to a teen. How's that working out? I am so not gonna talk about sex with my grandfather. Really? Because I just love this shit. I'm in way over my head. <laughs> I was thinking if we found like a craft that we like, we could be on Shark Tank. We'll be like, hey, sharks. No. I knew you would like that idea. <laughs> And and I'm gonna say this, I as somebody who would like literally watch Florence Pugh do anything. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> like in a remake of Mama's family. Right. I sent you I sent you a text when I'm watching this and I said a good person can fuck all the way off. And I and I mean this, and I think this is where I mean part of my sort of personal take on this film is well, part of my like personal history is going going to come out and my take on this film 
regardless of that, it's just not good. Right. Right. So before we get into it, yeah. how do we feel about Garden State? So, okay, okay. I think that when I first saw Garden State, because it comes out about a year after all the real girls, actually, mm-hmm. when I first saw Garden State, I thought, oh, this is this is cute. This is fun. This is whimsical. I know these people. I remember in the theater, I'm watching this film and listening to the soundtrack and going, I own all of these records. I own all of this music. And so it felt, I think, of a time, those two things felt sort of of a piece for me. Looking back, I see the sort of problematic portrayal of Natalie Portman's character, which, again, is going to come up when we talk about all the real girls. So there's there's that. I can't rewatch it. It, it just, I'm like, I... I roll my eyes at it when I watch it now. And it's not that I'm angry or upset with it. I'm just kind of like, eh, okay. I see what you're, oh, you're so cute and precious. So my theory is, is that Garden State is to movies as Hootie and the Blowfish is to music. <laughs> another, another band that we listened to in high school and I can't listen to today. Right. You listen to it the first time and you're like, all oh, right, this, there's this, something this, here. Yeah, there's, there's some bangers on here. I can this tap my toes. This is right. not so. Yeah. And then as you start to peel away the layers of the onion, it just all falls apart. And which is not to say that if Let Her Cry comes on the radio, I might not turn it up and sing along, oh, but I'm going to roll 100%. the windows up. <laughs> yes, I'm not going to let anyone else know what I'm singing along to and or hear the song that's on the radio. But yeah, it's it to me, it, it, I have the same thing. I, I, I actually, which is a, a stupid way to say it, but I, I, saw, I saw Garden State <laughs> in the theater with, with, um, with Braff in the theater. So I saw it like at an f- early screening and he was there answering you guys questions. Were next to him. <laughs> yeah, You're sitting like, next to each other. Did you share popcorn? The, did you like have a moment where like you both reached into the popcorn bucket at the same time? You sort of right. lingered a little too long. Uh, it but, was but more also, of a diner type situation. Mickey working him, but uh, <laughs> it was a bet from all my friends. I had to, <laughs> will Zach Braff touch my penis? <laughs> it, look, it, look, we will, we will find the line and we will step over it. <laughs> so. And obviously, when you do go to those types of screens, you have, a, you have a tendency to be a little bit more forgiving. And obviously, you get to hear from. I will say that in that, in that Q&A session, Braff doesn't come off as being ridiculously insightful. This, the Garden State is a, a time capsule of, what, of his experiences as a young actor, right? And, getting, and hearing stories. It's not like Swingers. It's like it's not like a right. movie that that it has a personal connection or, or you know this is a guy who has been on a successful sitcom, now going back and trying to dip his toe into making films, and then calling from stories from somebody else. Right on its surface, it's all fine. Like I said, don't peel back the layers. And and the soundtrack does most of the heavy lifting and all the emotional cues of Garden State happen because and and Portman's really really good in that movie it's just but and so that I think you tend to then overlook the fact of how she's being portrayed right right right. as this kind of angelic savior type figure who has no real characteristic traits other than just oh look she's quirky and wears a funny hat I mean I know it's a helmet but (laughs) right right but but that's it you know, and she's there not to. And again, I want to come back to this when we talk about all the real girls. I know, I, I know, I've said that seven times already. But she, she really is there just to make this guy like look good or prop him up or save him. There's nothing else there. He doesn't do any of the work himself, right? She does it all kind of for him. And so, 
Um, but that same th- that same thread for Garden State, which is this is a this is an amalgam of all the stories that he's heard throughout his time as a young actor and pulling from other things that goes tenfold. He's gotten so, so much worse yeah. with a good person. You want to give us a rundown of what it's all about? I, I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, well, no, no. I mean, I, I think that, well, I mean, it's, it's, this is a story about Allison, played right. by Florence Pugh. She's engaged to be married. Things are fine. She is with her soon-to-be sister-in-law and her sister-in-law's husband. They're going wedding dress shopping. She checks her Maps app, and they get in a car accident. Technically, she's checking to see if they can buy tickets to a show. No, she's she's trying to get them there faster. Oh, okay, okay. So, so because they're going to the the, the going couple to the are going to go to a theater after they're done, right. and she's like, you know what? I think I can get us there like sooner. And she pulls up the Maps app. You know, don't look. <laughs> <laughs> so you were paying attention. I was paying attention. Unfortunately, <laughs> they get into a car crash. The two passengers die. She is badly injured. A year later, we cut to a year later, she's addicted to oxy, living with her mother. Uh, she split up with her fiancé. And from there, the film sort of becomes a redemptive journey, quote-unquote redemptive journey arc, where she then forms an unlikely relationship with Morgan Freeman, who would have been her father-in-law, who's estranged from her Former fiance. For reasons we get into later, right? It, right. Because he's, he was abusive. I don't know why we're, I'm not holding that back. He was abusive to his son. Because he's an alcoholic. Because he's an alcoholic, right? right? And he it's, caused his his deafness in one of his ears from a, a night of beating. Right. And, and, and he's so, also, oh, he's also seeing, he's also taking care of the daughter of the parents who were killed in the car crash and having trouble doing that because she's a 16-year-old girl who's now an orphan, essentially. Yeah, right. I mean, she's a 16-year-old girl who's been through a traumatic incident like everyone in this film. And why would we expect them to be okay after a year? <laughs> that's the, that's this the is one of the things, things that, like— Right. And, and, like, for someone who needs a redemptive arc— or doesn't need a redemptive arc in this case, right? I mean, like, she had a car accident. This is, all of it is so, like, fucking on the nose and ridiculous. So Pew, a couple of things through here. Like, she starts off the story, and she's a pharmaceutical rep. And so this is a nice little fuck you twist of come up and I guess, so broadly and poorly. It's it's weird. It's it's like the the, the film wanted to... To, to do something with that, but never really comes back to it. But that's a theme throughout the oh, film. Absolutely. It wants to do something with something, <laughs> and it just doesn't. Yes, of course. It's bad storytelling. All of it. Like, I, I wrote that it's like a it's like a story that was written by AI. It was, like, written by ChatGPT. Who, yeah. <laughs> was like, like, there's nothing to it that has any sort of— Like, all of it has the trappings of a— Story, like you, just like you said, a redemptive arc story and a, and a story about the perils of addiction. And but in reality, I mean, like if you take a, if you take a look at Pew's character, she has way more problems than just oxy. She's undiagnosed depressive. She is is has probably has PTSD. Like there's all kinds of things in here. That, Everyone in this story does. <laughs> right. No, but but I mean, it's all undiagnosed. That's what I I mean. They, yeah, they're all depressed and all have PTSD and all are suffering from this stuff. And and, and we, we address it as a, as a straightforward, um, you know, addiction story that where she has to come back and find her worth and has to, you know, help someone else find their worth and help somebody else get over. 
And, and, and what really drove me insane about this movie was throughout the film, especially after the crash, Florence Pugh says multiple times, it wasn't my fault. It was the backhoe driver's fault. And we all know that she looked down at her phone. So this, you know this is going to be a big plot twist. Apropos of absolutely fucking nothing. 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 It is so stupidly done that and, and like and it's just this like a, a, another it's it already exists as is a, is a a character crash moment where she can then like have this realization that she's a piece of shit and it it doesn't make any sense to this story. This is not again as for a story about addiction and something that happens during it. Like she wasn't addicted at that particular point in time. Right. She made a very very small mistake and now we're we're punishing her in a really, really bizarre way that is unwarranted. And no one and no one in this story has the has, you know, any sort of common decency to like right. to really care for this person. Right. <laughs> it's right. so fucked right. up. Right. I it, here's one thing I'll say. So she and her fiance split up at a certain point and, and we find out that she leaves him. Right. She can't do it. And and this this I think I get. I understand this, right? She feels some kind of guilt even if she keeps saying right that it was not my fault I mean how could how could you not right, right. You, even if you weren't driving you're the only one who walked away there's a kind of survivor's guilt there that has to be really hard to then look at this man every day and for him too it's got to be hard to look at her to help her through this kind of recovery knowing that these other two people who are there aren't there and that affects I mean that's got to be really tough so it's no surprise that they broke up right in, in, right. in whatever way. What is really surprising is the mother's constant enabling. Right. Played by Molly Shannon. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not even, I mean, it is just one thing after the other. And we start off, we see the two of them sort of arguing about prescriptions. She wants a new prescription. She's like, you can't have any when the doctor said no. We need to like stop, blah, blah, blah. Cut to like her then getting her a prescription. But then when she comes, this this drove me insane where. Florence Pugh walks in and she's like, Mom, I need I need help. I need to go to an I need to go to rehab. I need to go to inpatient. She's like, We don't have insurance. We're not going to yeah, do that. that. And then and then she's like, Well, look, you know, dad, because the, Molly Shannon's husband and Pugh's dad like left them. She goes, Look, dad was gonna get me something for the wedding. Do you think he would pay? And she's like, I'm never talking to that man again. And I'm like, we could have solved this problem 17 times in the first half an hour of the fucking film. This is ridiculous. Right. It's just ridiculous. Because, yeah, she has her father's Rolex the entire time. That <laughs> well, she there's that, too. I mean, like, like, yeah. I, well, in a better movie, this, we don't, a better movie doesn't, I don't know, like, focus on the bizarre one-year addiction of, of Florence Pugh. They 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 focus on a, on, on a, on a, on a toxic mother-daughter relationship that led to a somewhat selfish and entitled life. We get glimpses of that where Pew meets, I mean, and again, everyone in this fucking movie is such a fucking caricature of, of like, it's just, it's just, I mean, let's enter in drug, random drug dealer. Let's right. enter in a troubled teen. Let's enter in embittered, right. like old grizzled cop, you know? Yeah. It, it's all just fucking, it, like I said, it, it is just, it is, I don't. You it's hackney. Go, it's cliche. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's it's. Um, but a better movie then focuses on the relationship between Shannon and 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 Pew to determine how this how Pew developed and and then of course I mean her being responsible for her own actions, but having how like this whole idea that 
pew crumbles under the when she realizes that she was really at fault, which you get the impression that she always knew that in the first place. She was just lying to herself in order to get through that this wouldn't come as some sort of great realization. Focusing on (laughs) this ex-pharmaceutical rep being addicted to pills is, is, I don't know, it's just baffling. It really is a bizarre, bizarre film. And again, it doesn't really, sorry, I didn't mean to, it doesn't doesn't really address any of the trappings of addiction at all. Like it doesn't like, it doesn't know what to do with it. It it feels like it doesn't have any idea like what really truly addiction is like. Because it doesn't. (laughs) Because it doesn't. But I I, want to go back just a, just a second. She is kind of, she's being turned into sort of the anti-manic pixie dream girl, which then becomes just as bad or just problematic because all we're doing is tearing this woman down to nothing for what reason right so we're not really i guess we're showing her hit rock bottom even though i mean she didn't have to go all go through all that because she was looking for help anyway but we're just gonna we're just gonna tear her down and make her feel like the biggest piece of shit ever and we're gonna try to see her that way because she was looking at her maps app which for two seconds. For two seconds, which, oh, okay, right. I, I mean, like she could have been. Look, she could have been fucking changing the radio station. Right. No one would have been upset or with that. Or sneezed. Or uh, right. I mean, it would have been anything. It's such a stupid fucking thing. It's such a stupid plot device. Yeah. I mean, it could have been. It didn't even have to be anything. It could have just been a fucking accident. Because all you're doing is just destroying this woman for no apparent. I mean, I don't know why you would destroy a woman anyway. But it, I mean, you know what I mean. There's it, no storytelling reason for it. Right. Like any other, like even competent movie would have had her been an addict beforehand. Yes. Not an addict or like a, a self-delusional, <clears throat> a self-delusional addict. You know, I, I've, I drink too much here. I, I, you know, I'm okay. I can, I can function on my pills. I live this selfish lifestyle and nothing is ever my fault. You, in order for her to be redeemed, she has to do something okay. that requires redemption. She got into a car accident and... And and so this is not even a story about how pharmaceuticals push oxy onto people or that I mean like she like everybody that she meets, like you said, treats her like she is the lowest of the low. Her ex friends treat her like the low when she's just asking oh, for just, when she's asking for pills. Yeah. It like you set her up in all of these scenarios, and this is just a woman who's begging to be forgiven. Because she can't really forgive herself because she's continually lying to herself. That's the fucking story. Help her get past trauma. Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Ca- why? Why? You already have an alcoholic. You already have an alcoholic in Morgan Freeman. You can tell that story. And some sort of redemptive arc for him, who at that point, his redemptive arc is that he fucking dies. And that's how we all forgive him, right? Yeah. I mean, like, the better story is someone who needs to be forgiven. She meets up with uh, with Ryan, the daughter, yeah. and, and who needs to find a, you know, a, a, an outlet to forgive so she can move on. That's the movie yeah. that you have yeah. here, and instead you tie it up in in, in this. And the movie doesn't let her off the. The movie is just, again. It, it it doesn't let her off the hook at all. It, it just keeps throwing her back into situation after situation, where she has to defend herself. It doesn't make. Hey, man, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. It yeah. is a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah. So you have. There's actually like three better movies in right. There's there's Pew and her mother. There's Pew and uh, Ryan, the granddaughter, and then there's there's Pew and her fiance. Working through that trauma. I mean, I'd watch that. I'd watch these two people sort of like going through this shit together and then us watching that relationship 
devolve and break up because of that, that's sort sure it's a sad, heartbreaking movie, but it's real, right? This is not real. Let's talk about how it deals with addiction because boy is it bad. So here's the thing. Morgan Freeman's character, Daniel, is supposedly 10 years sober, which is like weird time-wise because it, as he tells the story, it seems like he got sober well before then. Right, right yeah. Here's the thing. No one sober for 10 years keeps a bottle of whiskey in their cabinet because that guy knows he's going to drink. It's just, it's fucking stupid. And, and it's, and it's it, look, Braff knows... Look, maybe he does. I don't know. But by this movie, he knows nothing about addiction, nothing about the process, nothing about going through the steps and going through these meetings. Allie Florence Pugh, her character, goes to a meeting, right, on her own, on her own accord, goes to a meeting. Good for her. He's there. They see each other. She's going to run away, but he keeps her there. Okay, this is good, right? This is something that a person at that meeting, someone in the rooms would do, right? They would they would go, no, 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 you need to be here, right? He says all the right things. But then later on, he's like, I fucking hate you. Right. And, 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 he and this makes none of sense. he constantly blames her for everything that happens. Like all of his drinking, he constantly blames yeah. her for all of his drinking. Yeah, which, which, which a guy who had been in the program for 10 years would not fucking do. No, and I have to say, oh, say okay, so look. In full disclosure, right? I am 16 years clean and sober. Right? I mean, I I have done everything, and this is why. Like, this is why I get so. One reason I get so upset with this film is the way it treats this process and the way it treats addiction. I am not. I am not a big fan of AA or NA. Right? It, it, it's not a thing I necessarily sub- subscribe to. But I know how it works. Here's the other thing: Zoe Lister Jones, as a sponsor, would never let Morgan Freeman in her car. Right. With a bottle of booze. And this is another reason why this movie just doesn't know what the fuck it's doing and just offends people who've gone through this. I mean, he's he's drunk, gets in her car. She's not gonna she's not going for that. No sponsor, no group leader is letting that happen. You know, she might go take care of this stuff on her own because right. that is something. The answering phone calls, the sending texts, that happens. But that doesn't happen. Right. I just I find it really, really, really bad. Um and, and then again, like the enabling. All the enabling by other people, all the things that she's trying to find ways to help people, and he keeps shutting her down. Right? She's like, "Look, let me talk to your granddaughter." Right? Or here's advice, and he's just like, "No," even though he knows that this is part of right. that recovery process. Right. Right. Um, and then, like the the rehab moment is in montage. <laughs> right. So we don't even see we don't even see the actual growth. We don't right. see the recovery. We don't see her talking, and we don't see enough of the withdrawals. Right. It was pretty tame. Yeah. Um, this, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> some like foot twitching and sweating, and you know, there was one scene where she's lying on the bed sideways. Yeah. No. Right. Right. <laughs> and a tank top. Like, okay. I, let's. She she checked herself into rehab like a night like the next morning after ooh after. <sighs> I mean, right. she wanted pills at this party, and she got dope. Right. She was doing crank. I mean, at this point, I mean, or something. She's doing heroin. Yeah. Yeah. She's doing, you know, powdered heroin or some kind. I mean, so she's not in good shape. She's going to, it, it's going to be gross. <laughs> right. But but we don't see any of that. We don't see her work through that. We don't, we see her sing a song at the piano that's, that's you know, coincidentally, <laughs> you know, fortuitously there for her to sort of play and sing on. Right. But we right. don't see, we don't see any real... Any real sort of group talk? I mean, I'm, look, I don't know that Clean and Sober is the best movie, but I think it treats this stuff a little more authentically than— I can think of uh, <clears throat> a, a dozen oh, different yeah. movies that, are, that do it better than this. And 
like this movie, like the one scene that lo- I mean, like it really truly lost me, and I was done from that point on. Mm-hmm. Is is the scene where Morgan Freeman catches his catches Ryan, yeah, his stepdaughter or his stepdaughter, his granddaughter in bed with a an older man, and he, that older man ends up being a not necessarily a drug dealer, but he's in the music business and, and he's an enabler, blah blah blah. It's all fucking bullshit because it's like six characters in this movie that all come back and meet each other, yeah. He forces him out the window, and then the next-door neighbor is spraying him with the hose, calling him a fuckboy. And, like, that's supposed to be a moment of, like, brevity and, like, and like humor. And I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. This is the worst fucking film. Like, I, I, everyone involved in this is tainted by this because yeah. it, it, that, that know, scene is so poorly done, and it's so poorly—it's so ham-fisted. And I'm like, what are you doing here? So now we've got a a, a, a naked boy, you know, in underwear, escaping a, a two-story window because he's having sex with a younger girl. Ha, ha, and, that, ha, ha. and that's the funny moment. That's the moment of lightness in your addiction. This movie should have been so much more serious. It yeah. should have been, again, a, three different movies. Morgan Freeman should have been an afterthought. This idea of, like, him being, again, like his character – Truly is the piece of shit. His character is the is the one who 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 beat his son so severely that he lost hearing in one ear. But no, we're introduced to this kindly old man who who does model trains and is raising his granddaughter and really can't do that well. And also, he has two lapses during the time and points a gun. You know, almost murders a person, right. and that's not dealt with. Like the, again, no. there's no, there's not like that, that that of consequence, and but yet we're still focusing on Florence Pugh, and this, and she has to do all of this by herself. At the end of it, like no one helps her. No, she, which does. is a really fucked up message. It's really, it's really messed up. I mean, that this is something that I like made note of was that it felt like it was it was Garden State for addicts. Where? Yeah. No, 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 absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Because because all the trappings are there, right? It's, it would be easy to sit here and watch this and go, okay, yeah, that was a good movie because everyone's happy at the end, and all the and all the performances. There were performances by people that I like, and Morgan Freeman's voice is 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 comforting. So I'm okay with this movie. I'm gonna go on about my day. It is a piece of shit. As soon as you look <laughs> at it any deeper than than just watching it in the background, it is a piece of shit movie. Made by a piece of shit, and like the fucking audacity of that motherfucker with the when the black comes up and it's like written and directed by Zach. Brown. I'm going, fuck Shut you, up. you. I know. Just well, I, I mean, God, like, it's, like the it's, pompousness of that <clears throat> fucking title card or the you know end credits cards. And like, it wants to be so earnest, but uh, again, there's no depth there. There's no gravitas. I actually thought that the only person who 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 knew what film this should have been was Zoe Lister Jones. She was the only one who seemed serious and kind of like, look, don't fuck around with this stuff. Right. Right. Take this, take this process seriously. Stop doing this. You have to be this way if you're going to be around me. I mean, no, no, no I'm just uh, laughing at my. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you 100. <laughs> I'm just laughing because this feels like a movie that now that Zach Braff and, and Florence Pugh have broken up, this feels like a movie oh. that Braff wrote just to yes. fuck with Pugh. <laughs> or, <laughs> or you know what it, but what it felt like to me was him going, I've written this really. Excellent role for you, just just for you. <laughs> and she's like, okay, sure. And then she's like, fuck. <laughs> right. I, I we'll feel see. like, look, th- this and um, what was that other the wonder? No, the Olivia Wilde movie, the one that I can't remember the title of now. <laughs> mm. With Chris Pine. Don't worry, darling. Don't worry, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rubbing off on you. I know. <clears throat> I feel like those were two roles where she's like, 
okay, all right. Like, you know, friends came to her and said, hey, I got this for you. I got this for you. And she's like, yeah, cool. And then she's like, fuck, what am I doing here? Right? Like, <laughs> what am I? Uh? Because there's a moment. So there is a moment. Um, this moment when, when, when Pew comes again to Molly Shannon and she's like, I want to go to rehab. I want to go to inpatient. And then Molly Shannon's like, oh, no, we can't afford that, blah, blah, blah. And Pew's like, look, I'm not myself. I don't know who I am anymore. And I'm like, there's a version of this film where she has me crying at that speech because there's something there and she can pull it off. And she's really good in that moment, but she's yeah. given like this and, little, I mean, just a sliver of, of a line and what, nothing else. I'm like, oh my God, that could have been, that again, could have been cool. And again, it's hinted at like, and, and that line, that scene is better when Shannon is trying to hide her own addiction, which is clear that the film is trying to set her, or at least a better film is trying to set her up as a, you know, a, a closet alcoholic as well, who's who's ignoring right. all of these things, right. and also doesn't want to see it in her daughter because she doesn't want to see it in herself. Exactly. That's the better movie yep. here. And again, Brack has <laughs> Braff has the wow, wow. Was that just a like Brock Braff thing? I'm <laughs> yeah. so upset with you, you, you right you now. Got me the Troy Paul thing. It's like I'm, I'm just now melding you with everybody we talk about. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I mean, this is this is terrible. I, I just think it's I think it's really I think it's really offensive. I think that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been to meetings with with pretty awful people, and they're not this bad. They're not as bad as like this Daniel guy. I mean, uh, anyway, uh, I know I don't. Does know. Pew pull like it? Does Pew need a new agent? Is she just drawn yeah, to bad material? I, I, I don't. I mean, like I think it was a favor for her boyfriend. And then, I mean, <laughs> well, probably so. But we don't. Yeah. I mean, talking about the last three films we've talked about her in, which is The Wonder, This, and Don't Worry, Darling. Yeah. Um, I mean, and again, I think a good person and the wonder get good reviews because people, they're easy. They're just, it's easy to give them good reviews. And it's it's difficult to look beyond the surface of these films. Um, I wonder if she thinks they're good movies. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But look, I mean, if she gets a new agent, I was going to say like, oh, we could be her agents. But but she'd be in like one super weird art house films (laughs) and then like. Italian semi giallos, so it would just be like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, just, I don't think I don't there. think she. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm 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 bored to death with this. So yes, let's no, let's kill it. Let's argue about yeah, George Washington. <laughs> what do you want me to say? It's too late. Don't say nothing. Can I kiss you one last time? going to live to be 100 years old. He said, he said that he was going to be the president of the United States. I wanted to see him lead a parade and wave a flag on the 4th of July. Everyone thought he was crazy but me. When I look at my friends, I know there's goodness. I can look at their feet or when I hold their hands. I pretend I can see the bones inside. Your son is a hero, Mrs. Richardson. My friend George, he told me that he could read God's mind. 
He told me he knew what God was gonna create, who he was gonna let it, let die, and stuff like that. All right, I'm gonna let you say what this <clears throat> this bullshit's about. So I want to say a couple of things first. So this is this is David Gordon Green's first film, uh, made in 2000. He'd made a couple short films before this. This is his first feature. He grew up in Richardson, Texas, Mm -hmm. went to UT in Austin, and then ended up at the University of North Carolina School for the Arts, where he was classmates with Paul Schneider and Danny McBride, who we'll meet later. Um, They both worked on on this film, on, on George Washington. All right, I'm keeping summaries brief for these two films sure. because uh, th- yeah, because well, th- they are brief summaries. Look, here's, uh, so the plot of George Washington is well, there's not much plot really, but it is a fragmented, lyrically structured poem of a film. <laughs> so it, 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 a it, limerick, look, maybe. Look, sure. <laughs> no, this is oh. <laughs> so so. Wait, wait, okay. I said to you earlier that. I started watching this film, and I was like, "I okay, I understand why I didn't remember it very well. I remember seeing this, you know, I, I told you, like, where where I grew up, there were a couple small, like, artsy theaters, and, and they would play stuff like this. I remember going to see it, and I imagine I was kind of like, oh, okay, that was cool, and then, like, forgot about it forever. I started to rewatch it for this, and I stopped, you know, like I said, about a half, halfway through, about half an hour in or whatever, and I was like, okay, I think I understand why... I don't remember it very well. I came back and rewatched it from the beginning and kind of fell in love with it. So I don't know if it was a mood thing, if it was just a different day. I don't know. I don't know. But so anyway, the film follows kind of a group of friends between the ages of 10 and 13 and other loosely linked characters in this rural, rusted out kind of North Carolina town. Uh, it's seen and told mostly through the eyes and voiceover, kind of, of 12-year-old nausea. It's a good name for her. God. She she breaks up with Buddy as a 12-year-old and, and is interested in George, a kind of, in a way, eponymous character. Um, Buddy is accidentally killed when some of the group are sort of playing in the bathroom. George eventually becomes an unlikely town hero after he saves a kid from drowning. There's more to this movie, and... Well, at least I'll get into you're it. Gonna as, sk- as you're going to skip go. over Buddy dying? I said that. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, they hid the, boy, hid the body. Boy, someone's not listening already. I said I said Buddy is accidentally killed when some from the group are playing in a bathroom. Okay, okay, I even okay. wrote this down so I could like – anyway. So, <laughs> look, again, there's more to this movie. Um, we'll get really into it not. as we go. Shush. But, but summary and plot-wise, that's kind of it. Right, those are the main kind of through lines and, and within the vignettes. Because um, it's a vignette time movie. Shush. Quiet. Quiet. It's not a movie about plot. It's a movie about memory. It's a movie about regret. It's about being alive during a summer before childhood shifts into adolescence. That's all it's about. That, look, this is, this is a serious I'm, film about childhood. Oh, my God. A, a childhood on the cusp look, of, like, real teenage drama. And if, teenage if, if I'll give, I'll give <laughs> the movie anything, I, I think that it's very good at evoking those emotions. Yeah. So I think people that come to this add their own bullshit to it, <laughs> and it's fun. It's like a fucking car commercial or a long-distance telephone commercial, which we don't have anymore. I get, but look, you you watch grandma calling her grand, you know, her grandson on Christmas Eve because she can't get there on a flight. We're all gonna feel that 
emotional gravitas. We're all going to realize that that was us at some point. You see young kids playing in a field and you and you and and you're going to and you see young kids who are in love and in a city pool and you know fucking doing that Huck Finn bullshit. Yeah, you're going to bring that to you're going to bring your own bullshit to the fucking table and then think, "Man, that was a fucking great movie." If you actually watch this piece of shit, <laughs> And I fucking hated this when the first wow. time I saw it. Oh, man. But if you actually watch this piece of shit, you're going to realize there is fucking nothing there. And Gordon, D-double-G, can't get out of his own fucking way. So, like, and I'll, I'll okay. let you talk. No, no, let me, no, it's let me, okay. Me, it's okay. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Look, <laughs> look, this is, this, is, this is kind of an interesting date because we usually agree pretty much on everything, <laughs> right? So this is, this is kind of fun. I'm excited. Look, he... <laughs> It's been talked about how he watched Malick over and over and over and over again before he made this movie. He took nothing, nothing away from Malick, aside from maybe some solar flares and a little bit of cinematography. There should be a four-hour cut of this movie. I guarantee you there's fucking not. And Malick would have never put up with the fucking kids and the shitty acting that they went that they did. Plus, Malik would have never fucking used the voiceover that undercuts everything in this movie. Like, you don't let George Washington talk at all. You don't, and like, I don't, that's okay, because he's kind of that character who doesn't mm -hmm. need to, mm -hmm. but you don't let any of the moments exist because you have nausea constantly mm. telling us how to feel, constantly telling us what George is feeling. And then when you're not, you're interspersing it with nonsense dialogue from the fucking adults that plays kind of different in. All the real goes where it really kind of bugs me in that movie as well. But this movie is such a fucking, it's such a fucking like example of what an art house, like a student film that wanted to be Malik would be. And I, I think we forgive this film of all of its shortcomings because it's got a, an amateur cast that's desperately trying not to look directly at the screen when they say their lines. And then it's got a low budget. It looks pretty, but mm -hmm. none of the, not, none of the scenes ever linger. There's not you you are you are you are, you move from it's such a it's not hyperkinetic cuts, but nothing is longer than a 10, 15 second cut where Malik would have would have sat and watched a film go through a, a, you know a, 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 for good better or worse, you would have been able to follow all of this and like but like everything nausea says like completely undercuts everything we should be learning as an audience mm -hmm. about George without actually having to tell us, here's what you should be learning about George. Oh, the preacher man told us not to come around today. Like, and like, it's it wants to be kind of a, you know, almost like a link letter type slacker. Cause again, cause it cuts, it cuts to all these like, like homespun folks. And like the car crash at the end is like, so supposed to be this kind of like, I don't even really know, but it, and like, and he has a real hard time in these first couple of films of like figuring out how to end his films. And and like and so when George and then like it, it it doesn't know what it wants to do. George runs away from that, and the camera angle tilts, and I'm just like, "Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit!" Like you just like don't like you're not that good. You're not you're you're not. Like this movie doesn't do the things that it thinks it's doing, and and I don't know, man. And like the and 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 for Christ's sake, like. I the the score. If you listen, if you watch this movie, the first fucking ten minutes are a cat paw on a Casio. It's the same <laughs> note building to a crescendo for the first 10 minutes while Nazi is talking. And then it does the same thing throughout the film. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just couldn't. I was like, I'm going to fucking rip my ears off if I have to hear one note go over three minutes again. <laughs> anyway, you tell me what you People thought. People can't movie. see you, but um, 
I've never seen his face the shade of red. <laughs> I'm I I knew I hated this movie for a reason when I first <clears throat> saw it. And I and I just couldn't remember it. And now I just I go back to it. I, I just like I, I I there's parts of it that I like. I like the I like the act. I mean I like I like Buddy. I liked Vernon. I liked Nausea and I like George. I thought they were, and I thought Paul Schneider is fine. I mean I hated all of those like cutesy dialogue things between the adults. I thought the whole idea of like mm-hmm. talking about diet and talking about how you know it. I just never thought any of that played rang true. And then, um, but I but had this just been about the kids. Had you just let this be like a, a meditative experience that it really wanted to be? Mm-hmm. You get rid of the, if you, you really if you get rid of the score and the voiceover, I think this is a shit ton better film than what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but 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 dressing up That's... George in the wrestling outfit and putting it—I mean, like—and then and it, I don't know, man. It's just like you don't have the skills to pull off that level of, of that mm-hmm. when you're trying to turn the quirkiness. Well, in sure. It. So I I I think it's a little unfair to compare him to Mouth. <laughs> Okay, I mean, fair enough. I mean, fair so, enough. So, so look, I mean, it's 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 inescapable to say that he was that the film is sort of indebted to Malik that he was clearly infatuated, and apparently he like watched the thin red thin red line over and 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 over. Right. So that's, I yeah, right. It's clearly indebted, but I still think there's enough of him trying to sort of figure out his version of that that it's that it's worth giving him some credit there. So I think that there's a lot of compelling scenes where there's this juxtaposition of what I think is really nice cinematography and these really kind of interesting shots of ugly scenery. And I, and, and I like that. I like that juxtaposition of seeing like, okay, we can do this with the camera as we're showing these guys break down a train, right? Or rummage through scrap, Right. There's a scene where we get kind of a, I don't know what to call it other than a bulldozer in like a landfill. It's maybe a little too cutesy, but I think you get what he's going for. He's like, I, I, I want to compose this and frame this in a kind of color and focus, but it's an ugly moment. Right? I, I, I like that. I really do. Even if it's not always effective, because I think that there are some times where the camera zooms in a little too quick, right? Or it pulls out a little too fast, and it sort of takes you out of that, and it and it, it, it makes you notice the fact that oh, someone's operating that camera right. rather than it's right. just sort of right. gliding along and sort of just there, or it functions as as us, the audience. But there are moments, there are enough moments for me in that film that are like that that work so well, right? That are well thought out, well executed. These moments where it just shows urban decay, but the camera just sort of floats along, and and, and again, the, the color palette. The use of of focus and, and and composition I think works really well, for me. There are moments where I like the voiceover too. Over overall, overall I think it's too much. But look, there are moments where she says where, where Nazi is talking because she she is too a little bit on the outside of everyone else. She fancies herself as a little older, a little more sophisticated. Um, you know, she's in she's in search of a serious man, right? Buddy's right. too much of a child, so <laughs> she is not quite part of this main group so she is kind of you know just outside she's talking about her friends and she says they used to try to find clues to all the mysteries and mistakes god had made i think that's a really nice poetic kind of line 
that isn't like, oh, they used to go look for frogs in the in the pond, or, you know, or they used to go dig around the the, the garbage dump or whatever. It's it, it it paints them as a little more curious and alchemical, right? I don't know, no, right? No, a little more magical. Yeah. And then she says, and I, I, most of I pretty much just like forgot about all the adults. So I, 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 I'm with you there. Though. I, don't, I don't need them. These are the people I'm focused on. But she does say about the adults, they were never kids. It was hard for them to find their peace. Don't you know how that feels? And I think that's another moving line that functions really well as we move throughout the film. Does the voiceover work overall? No. But there's enough there for me to be like, okay, those couple lines make it worth it. And had it been just those, I think I think you're right. Yeah. I, I I just you are setting up this either this movie needed to have way more plot or way less plot. Sure. Like like the the through line of George becoming a hero, we should have been able to do that on our own. We don't need explanation of why. Like you get it all. Like why George can't go into the water. We don't need. Mm. Like let us let us wonder why he's wearing a helmet. Right. Don't don't. Like you, you explain it, and like you Walter s- Matthau in, right, in a exactly. new movie, like, yeah. and, and like you already know that he has something wrong with his head because Vernon's talking about how you don't want to be with him because his head hasn't infused together yet. There's lines that you could p- pick all this stuff out, <laughs> but, but right? that's that that's a brilliant scene. It is that no, is no, no, a brilliant scene, that's yeah. What, and that's what maybe yeah. makes me so mad about this movie is that it has so much potential to be something better than what it is, but he doesn't have the confidence to let his story and his actors. Push, push this through mm. like it, there's it, it, he it's like he got scared and decided oh shit in post I'm gonna need her to say a whole bunch of other stuff because nothing's making sense right now mm. and I've got to go in and throw I got to make sure the audience is following this because I need them to know that George is wanting to be a hero yeah no mother no shit motherfucker he put on a cape we get it he put on a wrestling one you know one piece we understand he's directing traffic like we get that he wants to have a greater purpose after he accidentally killed someone and they and they buried him in an undis you know in a, yeah. a, you know in a, in a they haven't been buried and they just left him you know where no one would find him they put his mask back on <laughs> right and, and so those scenes were really cool like that scene with buddy and the mask was awesome doing his soliloquy yeah that's, that's so good yeah so there yeah. are moments in this film that are like I said I don't I'm angry about the movie but and I don't but I, but I wouldn't give it an F like I did when I first time I saw it I, I I mean I do think there's pieces here to pull from but I I do think that one he didn't have enough movie so that's why the adults are there I think the 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 this is a we'll go and let you do your you know five minute stand up acts you know we're talking about good eating and, blah, blah, and, and and clear pee and all it's just fuck you man. yeah those like, were those that was I I think the only I did kind of enjoy Schneider is Rico um, he just because he seemed just like another kid and he seemed to be the one out of the group of adults who actually listened to the kids or in some way like related to the kids everyone else just sort of kind of felt like they brushed them off or ignored them, even like the other workers around around Rico. But he would sit there and talk to – and there was that nice scene where he talks to Buddy, where Buddy talks about nausea, you know, dumping him and stuff. And and Buddy's like I, – I love this line too. She had this glaze in her eyes that, man, would just make me tingle all over. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. perfect. And, and, and a lot of – apparently, D.W.G. let that kid improvise. 
He was like, you know, Curtis, man, go ahead. Whatever you do will be cool. It's cool. Right. And so he just did. And I think I think there needed to be more of that because then when you get Curtis with, I forget the blonde head's kid's name, um, the white kid who. Uh, Sonia? Was that? It was a boy. Or the freckled The freckled kid, kid. Who almost drowned. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did he have a name? He was just freckled kid freckled. in a neck brace. <laughs> right. Freckled neck brace kid. Um, <laughs> like he clearly was not comfortable in this movie. Like right. there's that scene where he's with Vernon the entire. And, and like, it, again, he's looking right off camera because he does not want to look yeah. at the camera. Yeah. And, and again, that's fine. I can I can excuse that, especially in a lower budget film like this. But I, but I, I, I do feel like there there should have been more of what was good and less of, again, <laughs> like I would have just left the movie unscored if that's all I could do. I mean, like, I, or, you know, uh, it, it, it really, that really, again, <laughs> I tend to like fucking be shitty about things like that anyway. But <laughs> so I just kind of focused on, I was like, oh my God, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, and that's the thing. I think this movie had potential. I I, I just, I, I, I felt like Green doesn't, didn't trust his instincts here. And I think, again, you want your character, your movie is called George Washington. You are about the movie for good, better, or indifferent, if you plot or no plot. This movie's char- main character is George Washington. Don't tell us about him. Let, let George, if, if someone's going to tell us about the character, let George's actions and words tell us rather than some voiceover. Because what we're seeing then now is like, you know, again, then you, then you lose the, the, the randomness of the entirety of the movie, right? You now you're now a boy dies, a boy gets saved, and there's a random car wreck to kind of undercut and have a, another kind of, you know, emotional explosion. And, well, that and, was and, Vernon and Sonia, right? Right? I mean, right? Right? So it's another tragedy that random. happens. Random. I mean, there are friends. <laughs> true. True. It's weird because the car that they show them stealing, I I, I got kind of bent because I was like, the, oh, the yeah. car they were showing them stealing wasn't the car that they wrecked, and so I was like. Okay, wait a minute. What did I miss something? But at that point, I was already mad, so it didn't really matter. So, well, like, there's there's a through line. They keep trying to steal a car, and they can't. Right. And so, right. and then that's where Nausea's voiceover is like, they finally stole a car and crashed it. Right. And so, so again, let us figure all of that out, right? Because we because we kind of cut to seeing them running away, but that's all we need, right? right. I mean, and, and, I mean, and, and and also like the, the, you talk about poeticness. I mean, the, you know, again, the foreshadowing of. George directing traffic in his wrestling uniform, and, and and then you cut to the fucking car crash. Like, there's a beauty in that. Yeah. I would love to see a recut of this movie without the voiceover, or just the parts of the voiceover that actually work or actually are poetic. Yeah. But there's so much in there that that, that is just like, here's here's art house movie for you, and here's right. here's everything that I think it just I think it undermines what what he was trying to accomplish with this. Do you think people say the same things about Malik? I I think you either, again. I'm not comparing. No, the two, no, no. I think you're either died in the wool, Malik, or I, I don't know. Like later, Malik. I mean, I think you can probably like. I I don't know. I think is that why dismiss. is that why I like this film so much? <laughs> because I'm like anything Terrence Malik does, even if I know it's bad, I'll I'll still sit there and be like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, Maybe I, so. I, yeah, I, but I, I, yeah, I know. I I don't. I I think I think you have. I don't know. I think there's a level of film snobbery that has to exist for you to like really like Malik. I mean, like, wow, thanks. No, I really, I really like Malik <laughs> no, no, too. I, I just, but I, I don't think like you know, Thin Red Line is is not going to pull in a hundred million dollars over <laughs> over the course of its run, right, kind of thing. I mean, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, you have to like allow yourself to sit with a Gene Dealman type movie and just like let it wash over you and let it be quiet. It's, you know, there's a lot of it. Like, even with like 
you know, equated to like Errol Morris documentaries mm-hmm, and things like mm-hmm, that, where it's mm-hmm. just you have to allow. There's a I don't know, maybe film snobbery is not right, but you, you you're, if you're all you're going to see, and again, not judging, but if all you're going to see is fucking Made in Manhattan, you're not going to like a Malick film, right? If that's the only thing you've been exposed, you might, but you're not going to see, or seek it out, right? It's not going right. to be if you're just going for the occasional piece of entertainment, fine, but you've got to like kind of want you kind of want to have to sit in that environment. So if this film were more quiet. It would have worked better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I, again, I just kept going to like I, I just kept screaming at the movie, just like let George, let it breathe. Yeah, let it breathe. Let the moments like that's the thing that he doesn't like. I said it doesn't really do is there's really there are I need I mean I'll go back and and confirm, but like there, the lingering shots weren't lingering. This is an hour and a half at best, yeah. right? So I mean yeah. like there and he, and he is trying to tell a story. I think the I, I that and that's the I think that's the problem here is that you can't be Malik and tell us I mean like you can't like really have that level of coherence that he wants in this and you can't have that level of I'm going to force feed everyone with here's what's happening like like the scene where Buddy dies it's so telegraphed right Malik would have just let it happen on the first push like you don't need the back and forth tension that that's that's Bush League fucking filmmaking because everyone sees that coming and it makes I mean look it, it works because you see you get tense right but Malik would have you never would have seen it coming mm-hmm. like you it, it, it would have just been boys feet or boys hands and then all of a sudden you know a head hitting the ground or because that the scene after that like again let the boy's head hit the ground and let him get up on his own because the scene after that's so harrowing right when he's in mm-hmm. the when he's in the mm-hmm. stall and the back of his head's bleeding and then he, you know, so, but now we're set up as like, oh shit, now what's going to happen? Now what are they going to do? Like, Malik would have never been interested in any of that. It would have just been the moments that happened. And that's what this movie, like I said, it took it, it, it just kept pushing you and then pulling you right back out of it. And I was just like, damn, there, there's a good movie here. It's just, he's not a confident enough filmmaker to let it go. And this is something that, that, that I think did pull me out when... They were being interviewed by the cops, or Vernon's like, "I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I gotta go." They're, they're, they're asking questions. You, you're right. We don't need any of that because that's not what. It's almost like the movie is cut in two, right? The first half is before Buddy's death, and it is just this kind of these vignettes, right? This kind of slow-moving sort of summer, and then Buddy dies, and then it turns into what's going to happen to these kids. Even Sonya's like. I'm not a good person. I love that scene, though, where Sonya's like, I'm not a good person. I don't have, like, feelings or emotions, and I worry that it's contagious, right? She's right. like, she's worried that other people are going to catch it from her. It's going to rub off on other people. I mean, I think you could still have conversations like that even without without the, oh, they're going to put me in jail. I'm, you know, 12 years old, and, and Buddy's dead and all this stuff, right? Because I do. I think now it becomes almost like plot-driven, almost like a plot-driven thriller, but there's no plot, right? And and this like like you I, like you said, if this movie cuts out all of the all of the adults like all together, because again, when you see you because you see the kids pretending to be adults, they're all sitting around the home, you know, doing each other's hair and talking about their you know when they're going to have kids and whether they want to have you know. And again, this this feels like you know those scenes feel like Harmony Corinne and, and Larry Clark's mm-hmm. kids and, and not obviously not to that extent you know it's not shocking like that. but you never see adults but you yeah and if you had never seen adults in, in in any of this I think 
you would still have gotten the fact that they would be scared to be talking to the police. They would be scared of what was going to happen to them. You get like George's, you know, I, you know, you don't need people telling George that he shouldn't have dove into the pool to save the boy because his head can't get wet because, you know, all of that should have just let it breathe. Mm-hmm. We could have all have gleaned all of that from the actions on the screen. And instead, again, we're, we're being told. Yeah. It is his first film. Cut him some slack. <laughs> I mean, this look. This is, the, this is the man that gave us. This, this is the man that gave us Pineapple Express and <laughs> three your Halloween highness. films. Yes, Your Highness. And, and the Sitter, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. So, I, I yeah, just take a breath. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say about about this, or should we? No, 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 no. I okay. think that's good. I think I've okay. ranted long enough. All right, listen. Did the friendship still remain? I mean, are we still good? At the oh, point? oh, of course. No, this is. Uh, look, I, I'm uh, when when you when I checked in with you to see if you still hated this film, I was like, I hope he says yes, <laughs> right? Because I do have I do have a fondness for it, even though I see the flaws. Right? I mean, I can see the flaws, and I can still have this fondness, but. I mean, I'm always going to veer towards this. When I see somebody trying something like this, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you full credit, right? It, and I'll be like, yeah, you know, some of this other stuff could have been like better or whatever. But I still, I still love you, man. I still, I still love what you're doing here. So, um, but I, yeah, like I said, I can see the flaws, and I, I'm, I'm glad you hate it. Good. I'm glad you know. <laughs> I'm I, glad you know why you hate it. And I'm the guy who sees someone try and kicks them in the balls and says, "Do better." No, but this, but this is why we have this podcast. <laughs> we can balance each other out, right? I can overpraise, you can harshly criticize, and that person <laughs> will come out going, "Okay, yeah, I feel pretty good about myself now." Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. So yeah, DWG, right. if you're listening, you know, yeah, feel so, free to come on, we'll, yeah. and, and defend yourself. <laughs> so okay, Jason. This river goes two ways. <laughs> Fuck that you. way and that way. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Let's That's talk the about worst, all the real girls. Worst fucking scene in the movie. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> like, what are you going to do if you see a water dog coming down here? And it says, look at you, land dog. You see what this is? This is water. Get in it. <clears throat> yeah. Beside the fact that you're new back in town and you don't know what kind of guy he is. If he's so horrible, why are you his best friend? What are you even talking about? What do you got to do? Tyler, will you please have sex with me? Please. Alright. We're supposed to be friends, Sam. What's wrong with you? It's different when it's your family. Tip season you is exactly what he hates in himself. What do you want me to do? Sorry, no, I know that because you're not smart enough to be sorry. Have you ever seen an animal make a mistake? I love you! Why would you say that? 
What is wrong with you? I just want to be like she never existed. No, you don't. All the real girls. All right, listen. Here's here's our basic kind of like plot. God, you're a hater today. <laughs> well, it's usually like me. It's usually me that like hates everything. But boy, okay. So Paul and Noel start a kind of nascent relationship. Paul is an unlikely ladies' man, (laughs) (laughs) or rather has slept with pretty much all the women in town because he's kind of like the last best option. I feel like everyone slept with everybody in this town because there's just not that many people. (laughs) Right. So Noelle is home from uh, boarding school. Noelle is a virgin, and she's also Tip's sister. Tip is Paul's best friend, so this predictably leads to tension, but we get the idea that it'll be okay. Noel goes on a lake trip uh, on a lake trip a-, a weekend away with friends and sleeps with another guy. The rest of the film is Paul dealing with his emotions around this. Uh, this movie ends with Paul having a one-way conversation with his dog who refuses to go swimming. It's brilliant because it's actually a conversation <laughs> that he's having to himself. He's talking to himself. Right? He's saying, "Paul, what is this? It's water. Get in it." Okay, okay. But look, I think, again, this is another film like George Washington that there's not a whole lot going on. It's lyrical. It's fragmented. Um, To try and summarize it more than this, I think it's just kind of too hard. (laughs) Right, right. There's not, yeah, I I don't think we need to go into the intricacies of each plot, you know, each, you know, plot detail. Right. yeah, it's small town love, um, young small town love. The the, the the townspeople are stuck there. They'll always be stuck there. Um, but you do get the sense that, like, Noelle has something else going for her. Right? Right. I mean, that she could, you know, be and somewhere else. But you also get the feeling, at least from some of the other adults or Paul's kind of family, that he has some other options, too. We don't necessarily see them, but we're kind of— they're hinted at throughout. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if you know, Dime Store psychoanalysis reading into it um, is that Paul's charisma made people think that he had the ability to potentially get out of town, yeah. you know, and, and to make something of himself. But he was just like the rest of them, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to be working, you know, he doesn't have much, you know, because none of these people come off as overly intelligent or overly ambitious or... or, or Bust-ass went to school. <laughs> Bust-ass went to school. And a great, <laughs> great uh, opening role for Danny McBride is, is Bust-ass. <laughs> it's a good name. I can't mean Moo hair. Pretty sure Senorita's woman. <laughs> he does play sort of comic relief in this. I mean, to an extent, without being clownish. Right. Really. right. I so like all of the things that I didn't think worked for George Washington. I think work for this film. I think. I think obviously. I think he won. You know, the one of the things too that I didn't really touch on about yeah. George Washington was I don't feel like. D.W.G. is the right person to tell a black kid's story. Well, I, so so um, a comment on that. He, um, and I saw this on a sort of featurette of some deleted scenes where he was trying to make a story, or he's trying to make a film really about a community, um, not necessarily a black community, white community, poor community. He was trying to go for a kind of contemporary film that could be kind of anywhere and about anyone. 
So because I mean, so George Washington didn't succeed then. Yes, um, that's fair. That's fair. Because I don't, but I don't really see George Washington as like a black kid's story. I mean, there are black kids in the film, but it's not. I, I don't. I, I don't I agree with you. I, I I agree that the story that it's telling is not a black kid's okay. story. It is. Okay. A, it is a. It is a coming of age summer story, and that's who. He, and it happened to be. I because there I, are I agree like with you. Okay. Um, I just feel like when your entire cast is is black. Predominantly, 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 because there's yeah, there's a few kids and there's a few adults that are that are not. But right. but I it, and again, 2001 different than today. So yeah. maybe a different lens, right? I'm not yeah. saying that it's. But I I, I understand. I, yeah, you know who you know who else loved George Washington? <laughs> Ebert. Yes. Yeah, I know. I read his fucking <laughs> review, and that's why I talked about like you bring to it what you bring to it, right? Well, because his Ebert review really was about, like, oh, I remember. Jumping in the but, fishing hole, but we've 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 talked about this on this very podcast that this kind of like phenomenological approach to 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 reading text and like we allow ourselves to kind of let our memories interact with art as a way of understanding it and seeing it. So what we're coming to understand is that I'm very much a romantic and child at heart, and you are this hard, cynical old man. I was, my, you know, so the movie that I relate to, my childhood, is over the top with because <laughs> I was a I was a boarding school kid who my my dad was a truck driver and we mm-hmm. went around to um, different bars yeah. to 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 arm wrestle. Yeah. So so I don't know if you saw my lapel pin today. I did, not. but it's a it's a purple heart with a little flower on it and it says I'm a big tough girl. <laughs> Nice. So, <laughs> I think we just sort of like, yeah. We figured it out. <laughs> we, figured right? it out. Yeah, we figured it out. <laughs> but, but my point being that and one of the other things that works in this, in, in all the right girls, is that <laughs> Wait, he's more. That was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> is that he knows this story better. Yeah. This is a yeah. story that he's more comfortable telling. He's also a story that he's more comfortable letting his seasoned actors act in. Mm-hmm. You've got, I forget the guy's name who plays Tit, but he's a good actor. Shay Wiggins. Shay Wiggins. How right? could you forget, I forget Shay Wiggins? Yeah, because he's that guy. He's that guy to me. Like, what else is Shay? What, what's, the, what's your big Shay Wiggins thing that you love then? Fast Five. Okay. Oh, he's also oh, fuck, in. I that's who he was. He's also in Ampersand. Wait, was he in Fast, Fast and Furious? Um, I thought he was just in Fast Four. No, because doesn't because um, doesn't Brian have to go back and get arrested and mess with Braga in jail? Or was that no, six? That's four. Is that four? Or maybe four and six? I don't remember now. <clears throat> no, can, no, six, no. Six is when he goes back to Braga in okay. jail. Okay. Because four, they're trying oh. to take down Braga. Right. And then so, five, yeah. they go in. And then six, he goes back. Yes. So he's yeah. in. Four and six. Yes. Shea Wiggins. Yeah. And two. Right? Isn't he in two? Like, he's not, like, that's where, okay, it's just four that he came up with? Okay. Because, I get my feds because Fast and Furious is when Brian gets back to the FBI and he and Shea Wiggins are like office nemeses. Right, right. right? He punches him, he breaks his nose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah a couple yeah. different times. Right, right. Um, right. Shea w- Wiggins has also been in, oh, he was in a movie called Small Engine Repair. I did not um, see that. Uh, I just figured was, it was an actual movie about small engine repair, and I was like, eh, I'm never going to do it. I mean, the guy owns a small engine repair shop. I mean, <laughs> Also, I saw Sling Blade, so I didn't need to see any more movies about small engine repair. Although he didn't repair it's, that small engine. It was just it, no, there was no you know, gas that, in it. That, that, that's an... <laughs> It's an interesting film. If you get a chance, it's worth it's worth watching. It's not great. It was it's it's 
based off of a stage play. The director and star, I forget the guy's name, sorry. Um, but it was his stage plays. He wrote the stage play. <laughs> it was all done out of the back of his small engine repair yeah. shop. Yeah, yeah. No, right. And so, like, you had to actually go travel to this little spot in, like, Virginia to go watch this play in a small engine repair shop. It was, you know, it's a real, like, hipster sort of play. <laughs> right. So, you all, uh, you're, um, <laughs> there was a barista. Mission was also, you had to have yeah. a broken that small mission. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but you had, a, you had a barista over there, you know, making latte art and then, you know, uh, a, a bartender making those, like, really fancy, like, cocktails. You know, old fashions that yeah, take that take twenty five minutes to actually <laughs> right. make, right? Um, but it's it's anyway, right? It, it's 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 a film worth seeing. Yeah, so I don't I didn't mean to denigrate Shea Wiggins' career, but I mean, um, but yeah. So uh, Deschanel is clearly like kind of the up and comer, mm-hmm. um, and the the you know I mean yeah he, this is Green's ingenue here that he's that and so this movie throws you right into a, a you know a, to a story between you know two burgeoning lovers um, one who wants to make good and on his Lothario reputation and and not take advantage of his best friend's sister a girl who's probably reaching out to a, you know a boy that she's heard about or known for her entire life and now is has the opportunity to you know. And also sees him as a breakout from the from the um, you know the boarding house the all the all female the all girls, boarding school right she goes to um, yeah I, I mean like and to me the the nonsensical dialogue to a certain extent um, this like plays a very like great like counter to like a Kevin Smith movie like where this kind of like pairs with chasing Amy in a way because there's a lot of like the same emotional in that same emotional beats but there's like emotional tension in the same but where Kevin Smith is just hyper scripted like this is just these actors saying what's coming like I just I I loved their dialogue even in the simplicity of all that it was I love it so much I have like a page of quotes right but but speaking of I mean there's there's a moment where Noel is talking to Bustass and they're talking about food and you know he's like uh, uh, these these like pretzels or carbs like expand in your stomach and she starts talking about well you know pancakes do too and he's like oh, I, I did not know that oh that's interesting <laughs> and then she's like and he's like I don't eat pancakes and she's like well, aren't you ever in the mood for like waffles or French toast and he just goes no the places I go are not that fancy but the pla- but he actually says the places, places I, I do not go, go. I know <laughs> so this was something else that I love about both of these films is it he lets them make mistakes and they just stay in right because you feel like that is a more natural Back to what you were saying about dialogue. I mean, this is so sort of flat and unaffected, but it seems like what they would actually be saying. So, yeah, he would say, no, I, I do not go. The places I do not go are not that fancy. <laughs> but regardless, that's hilarious. Yeah, no, it's great. It was awesome. I mean, of all of the, the, the Danny McBride-ness that exists today and the, and the character that he is, like— to see the kind of birthplace of it all and to see where it could have stayed had it not yeah. just blown up and become just this ridiculous. Look, I love P- Kenny Powers as much as the next guy. But it's guy, a caricature. But now it's a caricature. And now he's doing fucking uh, like uh, cell phone commercials or whatever, or like Tide commercials or what. I mean, like using that same persona. It's a little disappointing, but. I don't watch TV. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but in this one movie also, the older adults are then the ones that are spouting poetry mm-hmm. and those poetic lines mm-hmm. of like, you know, I, you know, I, I, about being rich and being poor and, and never being more happy. And like, there's all of these lines that would exist in a Malik film as mm-hmm. a voiceover that just 
punctuates the scene that he does so so very well here. Like Clarkson is so good oh, in this she's movie. So good. She's so good. I mean, when she slaps him and's like, "I was fucking beautiful." Like that scene is so great, and it's just so so well done. Stay on that scene because there's a moment where they stop talking, but the dialogue keeps going. Yeah, like in voiceover, and the composition of that scene is. Clarkson's on a chair kind of next to the couch, off to the side, and Schneider's in the center of the couch. And neither of them are moving, and their eyes are closed, but their voices are still going. It was so fucking cool. I don't know. But I thought it was, like, so effective to really convey that kind of emotional, that heavy emotional moment that they're both going through. Um, I mean, that was one of the most effective scenes in there. Like, you're right. None of that was in George Washington. Moments like that weren't well. There. They weren't allowed to be right. I mean, right. Like, so like so the evolution in two years of him being able to go and have that scene where Clarkson is f- like almost pissed at, and she's in her clown costume. Right. Right. No. Yeah. This is very much like a, a, a um, uh, scene from Shortcuts with uh, Julianne Moore, where like she's just, just bottomless, right? And, yeah. Um, it's that. It's that. You know scene where she's like essentially telling Paul you should have been more you should have been something else you could have gotten out of this and like I should have gotten out of this Mm -hmm. and now this is my fucking face you want to be me you want to put this on and like I I was fucking beautiful and and but now I fucking dance you know for sick kids as a clown and I'm a I'm a literal fucking clown stuck in this poor town And but this was did you read Ebert's review? Of no, this I, film did too? I did not. I didn't because he points this out. Oh, does he's he? like, look, this is to this is to DWG's credit that he knows that people actually do this for a job and can find more fulfillment in money doing this than working at Walmart, right? Which is where like you might expect her to actually work, right? And so and so you know to Ebert's credit, he's like saying this is a really good detail that he that he knows that not many of us do. So I, mean, I like that green. that whole crew. I will say about what what they have done in their film and the and the good films that they've made is they've been able to kind of capture that uh you know lower class no offense to anybody kind of like working class rural America yeah. zeitgeist that that um that like and then you know Jody Hill turns it on it's kind of like ugly comedy aspect of it all. But they really do have a good kind of finger on that pulse of without making it seem like they're judging those people or looking down upon them. I mean, these are all like because, again, everyone you meet here, there's one scene where they're at the bar and Paul is kind of like he's he's found out about what's what what Noel's done. Um, Mm. You know, he's trying to reconcile all of that. And. Uh, an old conquest of him comes in and is like basically like look how does it feel to know that you'll never get out of this town and this is as good as it's ever going to get <laughs> he's just like he just stands up and throws his beer glass down and and yeah it's it's her name is Mary Margaret <laughs> and and she sits down and he apologizes he wants to apologize he, he's like look if, if when we were going out, if I ever hurt your feelings, I'm 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 really sorry right now. I'm really sorry, and she's like, "Shut the fuck up." Here's the thing: you're not sorry. You're not smart enough to be sorry. It's so cutting and yeah. so sharp and so smart. You're not smart enough to be sorry. But that moment, him and her in that moment, felt so real and so true because I have been in that exact moment. <laughs> and and and, and I mean, you know, not to be like, but I have been Paul in that moment. And, and there's, again, like bringing our own stuff to it, right? But that moment rings so authentic and so true, right? I think, again, like in a way that maybe some of the stuff in George Washington didn't. 
watching this again, and I, you know, I've seen it a few times. I haven't seen it in probably a decade. About halfway through the film, you know, Paul and Noel are are really kind of hitting it off. But they've they've decided to. Oh, Paul's basically decided not to have sex with her because he doesn't want to be. He doesn't. He wants to be a better person. He doesn't want it to be like all the other ones that he's. You know, all the other girls that he's been with in town. You're not like the other girls. <laughs> Noelle goes off on a retreat with her friends. Goes off to a lake with her friends, and 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 she calls him at one point, and you see her kind of flirting with this mm-hmm. kind of what would be an out of town guy drinking wine. I mean, I think the drinking, drinking guy. wine, right, is the perfect like analogy <clears throat> and like perfect picture. He's of this probably guy's. a college sophomore, right? <laughs> right. Who's taken like one philosophy class and one English lit class in his life, and it's like ah. Oh. Wine. I also play billiards. I mean, you know, <laughs> right, it's like, right, right. <laughs> Have you read Tolstoy? Like, <laughs> hey, Anna Karenina is the greatest novel ever written. I'm pretty sure I've said this before. You have. You okay. Have. So right. what I was basically saying is, you were that guy in the window. <laughs> ah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so she beds him. This happens off screen. Well, we don't know if she beds him or not. If she, but that's we're, we're kind of given the idea. Uh, this happens off screen, and then of course she comes back and tells Paul, essentially because she tells Paul that that um, that that's how she knew she loved him because the the act felt wrong. And Paul's like, "How the fuck could you say?" I I knew this scene was coming up, and as soon as I saw them in the park together, my stomach started getting oh, tight, yeah. and I was just like, "Oh God, I can't. This is gonna be yeah. rough." Like literally, my my stomach just started pitting <laughs> up. I was like, "Oh man." That's such a good scene, and it's such it, and the, the where Paul is like, I, you know, I I forget the exact line about it. I don't want to hear anything coming out of your mouth. I, I'll, I'll give it to yeah, you because yeah. I have it right. I'm looking at you right now, and I hear you talking, and all the words that are coming out of your mouth are like they're coming out of a stranger. Why don't you put your fucking hair back yes. on and come back? Just come on back. Yeah, I, I, was, I that just broke my your, heart. I know. Man. Just put your hair back on and come back. Because she, she got gets her hair when she was gone, and then he walks away about ten yards, and then just stops and starts pounding the ground, and like it's so like again, it's just a, just emotion of like helplessness, and like he has no he has no idea what else to do, and and, and so he's just gonna sit there and, and punch his fist into the ground because the person that he was trying to be better for has now betrayed him, and then of course you know they go back and forth where she tries to I mean they, they end up eventually do sleeping with one again another which is like one again another heartbreaking scene because you realize that Paul's never going to be able to get over the fact that she slept with somebody else and she knows that and also knows that Paul is not the guy that she thought he was and and then you also start to see Noel take a job in town and realize that she's probably going to be stuck here regardless of her boarding school and that this is going to be her life and it's just going to be her and bust ass hanging around <laughs> bars and shit um, and so be it, right? But you know, it's I, I don't know, man. This this whole fucking thing is so heartbreaking and yeah. so well done. And like, she's so good, and and so is Paul. So is Tip. So is Bustass. Like everyone yeah. in this movie is just like I said. Out of all of the things, like he really found the way to one let his actors improvise and to work with the scene, and then let that scene like stick around and like and 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 stay for a moment. You know, you, they don't get back together in the end. They 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 have a few, few dalliances where they come back and they kind of they talk to one another. But at the end of the day, they're not able to overcome their differences. And and Noelle basically says to him, "I'm not going to let you hate me." But you know, th- and then she walks back up to her house. Right. She says more than that. She's like, you know, basically again professes her love for him again and says, you know, you have my heart or whatever, and then walks away. So I mean, it, it's a little more, I don't know, ambiguous in terms of how she feels. I think. I see it as both of them 
being more than happy to move on, right, right. From, from each other. But I don't know. He, it seems like he has more to move on from. Maybe. Yeah, his his I, his ending is definitely the more upbeat one, right? I mean, he has promise. I mean, like, because again, it looks like, you know, from a whatever perspective, you know, that this is an 18-year-old girl, right? I mean, like, it's not, yeah. it's just, and for both of them, right? They're, it's just another person. It's not, right. it's not the person, right? It's just right. someone you felt. But this is what's so interesting, I think, too, about this film. Because I, I think, like, a lesser film, the whole thing would have been about, oh, are they going to, one, are they going to sleep together or not? And then, two, oh, are they going to get back together or not? And it's not really about those things. Right? I mean, it's, it's about finding someone who makes you want to be something better in this case, finding what you consider to be sort of real love. And there is an age difference. So this kind of you know, real love is probably more coming from him than it is her. Right? Again, right, she's not like the other girls. And he kind of says that. Right? He's like, I don't want it to be like it was with other people. But then when you lose that, then this film starts to examine what happens when you lose this thing that you thought was so important. How do you deal with that? Right? How do you get over that? How do you come back from that? There's there's a scene where Paul is walking along with his uncle Leland, you know, discussing this, and he says something about her being a virgin, and Leland goes, "What?" <laughs> he just goes, "You didn't even," and he goes, he's like, Argh! and then he goes, "If somebody, what is what does he say? If somebody smiles at me ever again, I'm gonna freak out." <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but that kind of, I think that sort of shows us all of these frustrations and emotions that are so pent up and he's like, I don't know what to do with any of this. I'm just so like, don't even smile at me, right? I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) (laughs) All the while during this, while this is happening, it turns out that Tip may have impregnated his girlfriend as well. So you start to see the the trappings of what could have been with Noel and Paul Mo- and, and everyone else in this town of right where you get stuck of um, you know you get stuck in the in and not ever being able to get out although Tip never had any sort of uh, ambition I, right ambition to get out he knew he was going to be a drunk <clears throat> in his town for the rest of his life and wasn't necessarily okay with that but um, but knew mm-hmm. knew who he was um, the soundtrack is really good it is I've been listening yeah. to a lot of Sparkle Horse nice right. nice yeah <laughs> so if that tells you anything about the mood I'm in. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl mm-hmm, kind sure. of issue. I don't. Do you consider Noel in this film that kind of character? Hmm. I maybe, but I don't. I don't think she falls completely in that in that in that category because the Manic Pixie. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl would have never done what she did. Right. Right. She never would have turned. The, the she never would have been challenging to not in that particular way. She never would have shown Paul who he was by doing what he would have done and showing him how it felt. Like that never happens in that. Like so, like you take Natalie Portman in 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 um, you know Garden, Garden State, State yeah, right? which That's, is exactly what I'm thinking. Right, too, right? It, that that doesn't happen there, right? So no, I mean I I, I think there's bits of that. But I think I think I don't know. I think she has her own. I think she has her own agency. Especially once it all once that all happens. Had this just been a straightforward of, will they, won't they, and then they do, and then something happens where the, you know where oh it, trouble right you know but they quickly get over that right bust ass does something stupid or kisses her or whatever they you know some yeah they yeah and they get to go on and live their lives. That's that's a terrible movie right. Um, 
but yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think she's. I think she does a good job of kind of staying away from that. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I don't. I don't see it that way either. I see her as as a character with her own agency, as a as a woman who wants what she wants, and she's kind of like, oh, okay, look, I, because she wants to sleep with him, and he's the one who sort of like stops, and right. and, and you get the sense that she's like, I, I'm gonna do this because I because I want to right now, and and, and great, right? Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't see her as is existing in this film purely for the service of of a man. I think that, I mean, Paul is our main character. I think that through interaction with her, he takes something that allows him to be something different, to 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 grow, to be better, whatever. And I think that's how characters work. But yeah, I don't see her as well, clear, I think, surely not like like Garden State, of course, <laughs> right. right? Which is just a year after this, right? Right. <laughs> And that's the lesson that Paul learns in all of this, right? Is that she was never the tool. He could have become a better person just by being a fucking better person. She's yeah. not the tool to make him a better person. That's yeah. not fair to her. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but this, but this is how we learn things, right? I mean, we 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 meet people and we're like, well, you're an asshole. I don't want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're then we're a better person, right? right. No, but I mean, like, what I mean is it doesn't have to be anything huge or momentous to to understand. I sure, mean, you know, case in point where he can he can go. Okay, I don't want to be like this for the rest of my life. I need to to change somehow. And then he figures out also by having conversations with his dog, where he's actually talking to himself. Right. Can I give you a little bit of just a like yeah. cheap research on this on this film? So Green and Schneider started working on working on and writing this film in the late nineties. They made this film because no one was making the kind of love story they wanted to watch or that they felt was accurate. Um, they wanted to make a film that was contemporary and about how it feels when you get your gut in a knot, which you got your I gut in a knot watching it, right? So at one point he couldn't get funding, so he went back to work at a doorknob factory. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was a thing like that. No, no. Um, and then he eventually teamed up with Sony Pictures Classic and, and Lisa Muscat and um, Gene Dumanian uh, as mm-hmm. producers. Apparently before that, a, a studio, I couldn't find exactly which studio, offered a bigger budget, but they wanted Freddie Prince Jr. to play the role of Paul. So that's that, that was their... You know, they're like, we'll give you money, but right. you have to do this. You have to have this guy. So I'm wondering, maybe it was Miramax at that time because he had just come off. Maybe. She's all that in like 99, 2000. Oh what a fucking terrible. Could you imagine the different movie that would have been if he would have agreed to it? I mean, thankfully he like I, didn't. I don't, but I don't, I don't hate Freddie Prinze, but he is who he is, right? I mean, that, right. That, so like there's no That's, way. He's way too pretty. Right. I mean, especially right. at that point. Right. Yeah. Th- yeah, this... And and like there's there's an authenticity to this because these guys know each other so well. I don't know how Deschanel f- plays into all of that, but this seems like one of those things where you need people to l- kind of live in each other's skin for you know at least a few weeks before you start filming in this. Yeah. I, I don't. Prince barely had the chops to pull off. I know what you did last summer. Like I mean, I like I said, he's a pretty guy. He was always going to be a, a, a teen idol movie star kind of guy. I don't mind him, and she's all that. It's, you know, there's there's certain movies that are like those teen movies that don't require much, but there's no fucking way he. Pulls but again, off. I mean, when you take the glasses off of her, woo, again, <laughs> going back to the original name for the podcast, can can I give you some more quotes from this please, movie please, that please, I that please, I yes. that I just absolutely adored? So, um, the group the group of guys are walking to the diner, bust ass or Mary Margaret comes running by to go to work, and they all see her, and bust ass says, "Oh, I'd like to hang out with her for a few afternoons." Make some pizza. 
<laughs> Let me give you another bust-ass line. This is, again, Dan McBride. Let's dip our nuts in whiskey and get the girls drunk. <laughs> um, um, okay, let's see. Um, uh, Noel talking to Paul. You're the first person that I wanted to tell that to because you're the first person that I've wanted to talk to for more than five minutes ever. <laughs> I like that. Um, that was a fucking terrible story, too, where she kills – basically she kills a kid, you know, I by know. running over because her I dad know. was too drunk to run the, the boat. boat. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, um, Paul says to, to Noel, when people from before come up, I want you to understand what they hate when they see me. That's tough. Yeah. That's that's tough. That's that's Yeah, that yeah. This movie like this movie like really kind of hits home for reasons I won't go into. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's um yeah, no, it's just that like I think it kind of like the first time you see it, like I hope the people listening to this will and again, this is kind of late in the podcast to say this, but I hope people will <laughs> I, I hope that they will see it before they listen to us talk about it because I think that that it lulls you to sleep in a little bit of a way because you think you know how all this is going. And then when that you get to the middle part where she's in, when they're in the, at the field together and, and like, because you feel what Paul feels, right? Mm-hmm. You want these two people to be together. Like you, they're cute. They're, they, you want Paul to be a better person. You, you think that, that, I don't know, man. And then that, yeah. that scene where she's just like, I, I, we fucked. I, I, we fucked. I just, I don't, I don't know how to put it. We fucked. And it was, and he's oh. just like, what? What? Like what? He hurt you, <laughs> right? Yeah, did, he ra- did he force he, me to uh, rape you? Who like, is it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you're not listening to me. I love you. We fucked. That's how I know it I love you. You love. And this is like, what are you even saying? It's <laughs> such a good scene. It's it so is good. such a good scene. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think this is the, probably out of all of his movies at this point. This is the one that I really. Yeah. This is why I wanted to do a series yeah. on him because I think this showed. I mean, like, and I get it. I I get. The, the love for George Washington. I just, I feel like this is really his calling card. Oh, like 100%. Yeah. Sure. Oh, of course. This is leaps. Of, I mean, this is sort of like him taking all your advice on George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I also kind of look at these two films as kind of like kindred sequels where I'm like, what if the kids from George Washington grew up? Right, right. And because right. both sets of people are doomed. The kids in George Washington are doomed. These people are doomed. I mean, they're just going to do the same thing over, right? I mean, I used to, I used to joke. I used to, back when I was drinking, I used to drink in this blue collar bar, very much like populated by people like like this, and it was a joke where I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm sitting among the doomed. We're all doomed. All of us here in this room are just doomed, right? I mean, thankfully, I'm I'm here with you, right? I've been saved and redeemed in a way that Florence Pugh's character never got. Anyway, right? <laughs> but I do think that he. He learned a lot from that first film and and probably realized where he made some of those missteps and and, and changed it here. And it's and it's great. I'm gonna give you one more one more quote. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it's just for you. <laughs> this is from this is from Feng Shui. <laughs> Uncle Leland's daughter. Pretend you're standing over the ocean. You're a millionaire. Pretend you're running over the ocean. You're jumping across mountains. You're jumping across mountains. Everybody loves you. All right, you got anything else? No, no. Okay. Go see, go watch all the yeah, real girls. Yeah. It's yeah. it's good. It's, it's super good. hard you to can, find. You can stay. You, you can stay uh, yeah. away from the other two, but yeah. yeah. So I, I I I do have I I, 
I wonder why he, and we can, I think, talk about this as we keep going, but I wonder why he stopped making films like this, per se. I don't um, really know. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you, it's, of, a, of an auteur that has a voice, it's interesting that, that he would go towards such mainstream stuff. He kind of mirrors Linklater in a way. Because... Mm-hmm. In, in the sense that, you know, Linklater would go on to make kind of like big budget, you know, more yeah. mainstream yeah. fare to, to varying degrees of success like David Gordon Green. I, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where I, like this type of person seems like he would have stuck with his own material all the way through. Like this like the person that like, seems like he would because you don't really see I don't even know to be quite to be fair what all Jody Hill has done I know he did the Kenny Power stuff and that's a diff, but that's that still still feels like in, in that same you know genre in which they they play in yeah um I, I but I, yeah why you would go and do the Sitter which seems like such a like a mainstream like middle of the road teen comedy um you know uh, Pineapple Express maybe is playing with your friends a little bit um. And and I, I don't know maybe yeah. maybe you know maybe this is, was the design all along that he wanted to be um, a major studio and that's what gets you to do your dream of a Halloween trilogy. Who the hell knows? I don't. I, you know, I don't <laughs> no, know. I'm just curious. But yeah, yeah it's, it's it's weird that and mean and maybe they just drove. It's weird that they would have chose him to also then drive buckets worth of money to to do those types of films. Um, now, I, again, I can see someone like I can see why Danny McBride would want to break out from some some of that stuff and get creative control over certain things and be able to yeah. obviously become a go to kind of not necessarily, if not necessarily an A lister, you know, a, a, a player in the comedy you know realm or yeah. whatever. But I don't know, I, I, and I'm interested to see the progression because I know the next two are kind of in the same vein, and then I don't know where we go from there. I really haven't kept too much tabs on right. on, on how right. it's well, all I, plays I, out. Yeah. I, Undertow and Snow Angels are the next two, and under Undertow, I haven't seen Snow Angels yet, but Undertow, and, and, he, and he keeps coming back to it, right? Because yeah. he does that one. Um, what was the one with Paul Rudd? Prince Avalanche. Yes, Prince Avalanche, and he did Joe, Joe with, with, with Nick Cage. So I mean, like he kind of dips his toe. Was back. that Nick Cage? Yeah. Why did I think it was McConaughey? And that was Mud. That Wait. was Mud. Was McConaughey? I don't think he did. Okay. Mud. No, no, I know, I know, but but. Joe Mud. I mean, come on. <laughs> right, just three letters. Right, right. Do you want to give the people some boy some, some recommendations? Like, Recommended if you like. Do, 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 do. I, we still don't have a song for that. So if uh, my my recommended if you like, um, and if my well, one if my recommended if you like if you like a good person, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I don't really know what to recommend to you. <laughs> But to see a better movie than 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 that, I would say uh, watch When a Man Loves a Woman, nineteen ninety four, by okay. Ryan Andy Garcia. Uh, uh, you know, early um, appearance by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as well. Mm. Uh, Luis Mendaki is the person who directed that. But um, uh, uh, you know, another a person who does need redemption, who is an alcoholic, who's about to lose her marriage, and starts to go through the addictive step. You know, going through the, the program. Um, one of Meg Ryan's like kind of breaking out of her manic pixie dream girl era and, and like really starting to like latch on to her acting. Um, She's a manic pixie dream girl in, in the cub, wasn't she? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, yes, very much so. That was like the epitome of manic pixie dream Jane, girl. Jane Campion's <laughs> manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> so yeah, um, When Only Man Loves a Woman, 1994. Good. So mine kind of fits with that, and it's smashed from 2012. Uh, James Ponsel, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Aaron Paul, 
also Nick Offerman, Megan Molly. It's good. And this also goes back to the idea of what the film, what a good person might have been if we stuck with the relationship, right? Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the couple relationship, because Winstead and Paul are a married couple who, who are both functioning alcoholics. And look, here's the thing. If you are in a relationship with an alcoholic, everything gets forgiven because they understand. Right. Right. But stuff, you know, bad things typically happen when one person quits and the other doesn't. Or, and a lot of times even if both quit. Right? And and that's what happens in this in, in this film's uh Winstead decides to stop drinking. And um yeah, the tension kind of goes goes from there. Um it, but but good performances by everyone in this film, I think. And the similar thing that happens when when a man loves mm-hmm. a woman. It, it, she's fun until she's not, and right. then it's then it's a problem, right? right. So, right. yeah. Um, I, if again, a good person is such a Mad Libs type movie where it's just it, it's it, it's like seven different films. Yeah, with a with a toy train metaphor that never does anything. <laughs> and and yeah, that whole me- metaphor of like everyone's perfect in this town and they're all doing exactly what they should be doing and like. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, the, the audacity of Braff to, to try to think that he could pull that off is such like, like, where, where's the Scrubs reunion movie? Like, I, I feel like you could pull that off. I feel like there's just stick with the Ted Lasso episodes. Right, right. So my, my recommended if you like, if you liked George Washington, I was gonna go with Gummo, Harmony Corinne's Gummo, okay. but I can't. Really, I don't want to recommend uh, that movie. I don't want to like be that guy who recommends Gummo. <laughs> I like Gummo, but it is not a diff- it's not an easy watch. I'm going to give you another movie that's not an easy watch either. Uh, it's Out of the Blue with Dennis Hopper, uh, Linda Manns, um, basically a young girl who has an ex-convict father and an alcoholic mm-hmm. mother. It's not it, it's it's more of a young girl trying to figure out her place. Mm-hmm. She um, doesn't know how to deal, so she starts turn turn into the punk scene and she starts to like uh, emulate Elvis. Yeah, she's a big Elvis fan. Yeah, it is. Linda Linda Mann's kind of breakout role. She doesn't do much after this. She comes into a few indie films, but it is so good and hard to watch. Um, but yeah, yeah I yeah. highly recommend to anybody to go watch Out of the Blue. Uh, and Severn Films just did a 4K yeah. restoration of yeah. that too. So. They, and they released it. I actually saw it at the Texas Theater. Um, they they did a, a run of it in, in, in indie theaters. It was... When? Um, right around the um, Oak Cliff Film Festival a couple of years ago, oh, okay. I think, yeah. Okay, my recommendation for if you like George Washington is Ain't Them Body Saints okay. by David Lowry. Yeah. Right? Oh, um, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I love Lowry. He's another guy that I mean, makes these kind of, well, this film at least is kind of a Malick indebted, but probably even more of a George Washington indebted film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he probably came to George Washington before he came to Malick. <laughs> to Malick. Right. But, but I think this is infinitely better in how it's executed. I really like this film. Um, Rooney Mara and uh, Casey, Affleck. Uh, yeah, Casey Affleck and and Ben Foster. Um, and it's 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 lovers on the run in part, and it's Southern Gothic in part, and it's gorgeous, and it's yeah. slow, and it is dreamlike, and it is. It, I mean, again, like the dialogue's clever and it's sharp, and it, he's got an ear. Uh, Lowry. Lowry's career will be interesting, right? Because he dips his toe into the Disney realm. I'm interested. I think 
Peter Pan and Wendy come out. It comes out soon, if not this weekend on Disney Plus. Yes, yeah. So that's the movie he made after Green Knight. Right. Um, Right. So I I ignore like Peach Dragon and Peter. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying like these are the things that fall off my radar. But then a ghost story pops up, and I'm like, oh, good. Let's go to the theater. I mean, that's right. Or a Green Knight. Oh, or the Green Knight. Yeah. Let's go to the. That's I would say I give mean. Peach Dragon a chance. Yeah, no, I know. I it's know. it's it's not bad. It's still a kids movie, but it does of all of the live action Disney reimagining of films, um, which I'm excited for Lilo and Stitch, and I, I really want them to give me Emperor's New Groove. The rest of them go fuck themselves. But uh, <laughs> like, give me the ones that are going to be challenging to do. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't need a shot by shot remake of Psycho. I get it. I mean, I've seen it. It's fine. Right. But anyway, he is Lowry is kind of doing the the. Double G thing, where and it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I, I, it does seem like he has a more of a tendency to go back to the personal things, um, and then still get the payday from. And I'll I'll be. Yeah. I mean, I, like I, that, that's the only thing about Peter Pan. And when I heard that he was doing a Peter Pan movie, I'm like, I don't think we really need another Peter Pan movie. Okay, fine. <laughs> but like, I mean, because it's one of those things that's just been done, and it usually doesn't do well. And it's going to it's going direct to Disney Plus. It won't hit theaters, okay. so it's just going to be there. So, but I am interested in seeing it just because he's doing it. Um, yeah. I was making a list of who who's making films like All the Real Girls and and George Washington, and his name was was one that I came up with. Um, along with like Charlotte Wells and Raven Jackson, right? And, and I kind of got stuck. I, there's <laughs> yeah, not, there's, not there's not a not, lot of right. Well, there's not a lot of. Um, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think there's a lot of appetite for that kind of quiet. I'm inter- hungry. I know. I am as well. I 100 <laughs> percent am, am as well. Um, another thing too, like how is Ben Foster not like the biggest movie star in the world? <laughs> I know he's not like. I don't have know. people not seen Three Ten to Yuma? I, 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 or or anything um, he's in. Even he elevates Hell and High Water. Yeah, uh, I mean even the even the fucking X Men shit that he does. Where I know them those movies blow, but I mean like he's he's really really good in those. Like that fucking he's um, good in everything. He plays a good bad guy too. Yeah, no, that Justin Timberlake movie where they killed where they kidnapped a kid and it was um, Anton oh, Yelchin uh, and um, yeah, I know the what other, you're talking the other about. Big, I can't remember. I can't. Yeah. I can't either. Um, he was great in that. He's so good in like just about. Yeah, he he is a great bad guy. Um, I just it's crazy to me that I know he gets a lot of work, but it's just crazy to me that he's just not headlining films yeah. all over the place. Uh, my last recommended, if you like, for all the real girls is 2003's um, Isabella Coixet, uh, "My Life Without Me," starring Sarah Pauly. Uh, about a, a young mother who is terminal, has two months to live, and she starts basically living out the life. She starts making a list of things that she wants to do um, and doesn't tell her family. And there's a love story that's involved with her and Mark Ruffalo. It's really beautiful. And, and uh, yeah, that's a kind of a heart-wrenching mm-hmm. film. So I went more of the comedy route with this one. And mine is 2000, directed by Jennifer Goodman with a Ph. The Tao of Steve. Okay, yeah, good call. Good right? call. That's a movie that like really falls under the radar these days. But that is a good movie. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. I um, I called someone a stew the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're not a Steve, you're a stew. And they were like, what? What are you talking about? This is Donald Logue, right? Yeah. He is again this unconventional Lothario. He, he he was like the former. I don't know what. what popular guy, you know, head guy on campus. Right, now right, he's right. overweight, but he's still pulling chicks, right? Because he lives by this 
this code, right? The Tao of Steve, right? Be Steve McQueen. Be, right. you know, all of the Steves, right? Don't be a stew. But then again, he meets, um, he meets this, he, he meets a woman. Oh, it's Jennifer Goodman's sister. The, the actress. He meets a woman and, and, and she makes him want to be better, right? And makes him want to be something different. And, and that's, you know, the tie into all the real girls. Yeah. Donald Logue is another one of those guys that, um, like one, as a, as a sexy big man too. Like yeah. he pulls off that kind of like sweaty. Like in Tao Steve, he's played kind of more oafishly. Like he, like it's one of those things where in that movie, the women sleep with him and then wonder why they ended up sleeping mm-hmm. with him, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, but but he can pull off an attractive guy if he really wants. To. I mean, like again, he's not going to have six pack abs ever, but he can he can certainly pull off that uh, that that look. There's he there, he had a stint on Law and Order SVU, which I know is silly to say, but like where he just plays this guy who's just like a, he's like an Irish, uh, you know, and he goes undercover and uh, it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, well, you saw him slim down over the years. What was the show that he was? Um, he had a TV show where he was. Yeah, it was on Fox. Uh-huh, and they were, uh, he was married to, it was very much like, you know, sluggish guy married to attractive woman. Right. Um, I can't and, and with the kids. I'll, I'll and it never was, pull the title of it. But, but it, that was, that was fun. It was a good I mean, show. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of like in the My Name is Earl kind of vein of like, but I mean, probably a little brainier as far as their characters go, yeah, right? Yeah, But always like lovable losers and never being able to break out. Because it had that, I always forget that guy's name, but the guy who was, um, he's in a lot of Scorsese flicks. Corgan. Um, yes, Michael thing. Corgan. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, go check those films out if you like. Uh, if you can find Towsty, where did, did you? I don't even know where that is anymore. I don't either. I look, I saw this movie when it came out again, like you know, in two thousand. And I keep saying this, but the, there were two indie art house theaters, and you know, sometimes after I got done working, I would just go see what was playing and just you know right. sit down and watch a, watch, watch a movie. Right. And yeah. this was one of them. I'm like, what is this? Who's this guy? <laughs> whatever. I got you know a few hours. And so, yeah, I watched it. And um, and it's one of those, like, art house films that, like, doesn't, like, pretend to be anything, like, sort of, like, like great message film. It's just it's just a good movie, it's right? Just it's just Yeah, it's just a fun yeah, movie. It is. It's low budget, right? It's yeah. not, there's no great, like I said, there's no great import. But it's just it's just a good, good, good time of the show. But it is fun watching Logue play this big guy who just pontificates about everything. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Let me tell you how I'm this way. And you're like, you're a part-time kindergarten teacher? I mean, <laughs> right, like, right. He's, yeah, he's, oh, yeah, no, but it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I hadn't thought about it for a long time until watching all the real girls. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of, <laughs> like, the Dobbs <laughs> right, Oh, right. cool, all right. Um, yeah, anyway, go check those things out. <laughs> So next time we'll be talking about the films of Satoshi Kon. Yes, Did I say it right. I think so. I, I usually end up saying Satoshi Kon, but I mean Satoshi Kon. But either way, it's I fine. Don't I don't. Know. He's not around anymore. I think he'll be okay with however we say his name. Uh, we'll get it right before okay. the show starts. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna look at what Paprika, Perfect Blue, uh, Millennium, Actress, Millennium Actress, and Tokyo Godfathers. And Tokyo Godfathers. And then we'll also be discussing how to blow up a pipeline, which is. Uh, just now hit theaters. A and climate change th- thriller based on an academic paper. Yes. Out distributed by the Neon. Um, distribu- I don't know why I'm saying uh, this. Uh, I don't, it's not important at all. It's just I just said it out loud. <laughs> the Neon distribution right. arm of used, used climate to, change. Yeah, it used to be Draft House Films. Now activist, it's Neon. Fine. Whatever. Uh, okay. These are things I say because I just feel like if I don't say them, people won't know that I'm around. Right. After those... <laughs> Satoshi Khan will get back to David Gordon Green. 
No, we'll, actually, we'll have a. We're gonna slip in a special episode on you as well. Screen. We're gonna finish David Gordon Green. Don't you guys worry about it. <laughs> we're here. Twenty twenty five. We'll be done with David Gordon Green. Yeah. <laughs> right. Double yeah. G's. But we will. We will give you a special episode with a special guest on Star Wars. <laughs> the Holy Trilogy. The Holy Trilogy. The original, not the other ones that are faux trilogies. I don't know. Okay, let's just shut up. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, that's what's coming up. And um, other than that, Until thanks for time. listening. Yeah, keep screaming. You have been listening to Why Does the Wilhelm Scream with your hosts, Brock and Jason. If you liked today's episode, do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe in whatever application you use to consume podcasts these days. You can reach us by visiting com. If you are in the DFW area, we would love to see you at a Fort Worth Film Club event. You can learn more about those and find a full schedule at fortworthfilmclub.com. And you can learn about my foundation and how we are trying to foster the next generation of film lovers at realhousefoundation.org. That's R-E-E-L housefoundation.org. Till next time... Ah!